But we're going to get into the teaching of the word right now. We have been in a teaching series called the Holy Spirit. And these last two Sundays, we've been teaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And along with that comes speaking with other tongues. And if you've missed any of these two messages, I want to encourage you to go back to our podcast or go back to our digital campus services on our website and get caught up on these two messages. Because I think these messages are critical for you to understand who we are as a church and our heart as a church. But I believe these messages are also critical for us as followers of Christ to tap into the fullness of the power that God has for us and to tap into the fullness of the gifts that God has for us. So go check out those messages. And listen, if you're fairly new to our church, and, and, and a part of being fairly new to our church is maybe you've never been to church before, or maybe you've never been to a church that taught about the Holy Spirit before, or maybe even worse, you've been to a church that's taught negatively against the baptism of the Holy Spirit or speaking in other tongues, then, then these may be difficult teachings for you to receive. But listen, my heart, my expectation is not that you just suddenly say, okay, I've just changed everything I believed and I'm just, even though that would be awesome if that's how God worked in your heart. No, my hope through these messages is that a new curiosity is birthed inside of you. A new hunger is birthed inside of you. That there's a new longing to see the Holy Spirit in this way and to receive what he has for you. And if that curiosity causes you to dig into the word, to study it more, if that curiosity causes you to talk to God and ask God about what this is about and God reveal more of this to me, and that's awesome. And I'm excited for you that that's the journey that you went on, that you're going on because that's the journey that I went on. I came into a charismatic church with no church background whatsoever. And yeah, when I first heard about speaking in other tongues, it seemed strange. But the curiosity was birthed in me, and I went after it. And eventually I received it, and I've walked in it ever since. And my hope is that all of us at Kauai Bible Church walk in it. So at the very least, my prayer is that curiosity is birthed within you. But we're going to continue on in our teaching of the Holy Spirit. If you've got your uh, bulletin with you, you can find the sermon notes inside your bulletin. Or if you use our Kauai Bible Church app, you can find the sermon notes on, on our app. If you're a part of our digital campus, you can find the sermon notes attached to this video on our website. Or if you're listening to the podcast, you can find the sermon notes attached to the audio of the podcast. But today, as we continue on teaching about the Holy Spirit, we are going to teach on the topic of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. So here's your Greek lesson for this week. We learned a little Greek last week. Let's, let's learn some more. This week, the Greek phrase is charismata pneumatica. Charismata pneumatica. So charismata means gracious gifts. So it's not just a gift. It's a gracious gift. Well, what does gracious mean? Well, gracious means that you don't deserve it. That it's more than you could ever deserve. It's more than you could ask for. It's maybe more than you expected. Charismata. This is why churches like ours that believe in the power of the Holy Spirit and that believe in the activation of the gifts of the Spirit for today are called charismatic churches. Is because of this Greek word charismata, which means gracious gifts. And then pneumatica means spiritual 
or of the Holy Spirit. So whenever this phrase was written in the New Testament, charismata pneumatica, basically it's gracious gifts from the Holy Spirit. It might be translated spiritual gifts. It might be translated gifts of the Spirit, depending on uh, the Bible translation that you're reading. But what it means is that it's a gracious gift. It's a gift that you could never deserve, a a gift more than you could ever ask for. But it's a gracious gift given to you by the Holy Spirit. Gifts of the Spirit. You can see in your notes our big picture point today is this, is that gifts of the Spirit are given so that the church can fulfill its mission in a supernatural realm. Right? They are given so that the church can fulfill its mission in a supernatural realm. Listen, we don't want to just do what the church was meant to do by using our human abilities. I mean, if we did that, what would make us different than the Elks Lodge? What would make us different than the Masons? What would make us any different than the Rotary Club? If we were just an organization that gathered people together based on human abilities, what would make us any different? What sets us apart is that the Holy Spirit is dwelling in us, the Holy Spirit is dwelling among us, and the Holy Spirit has given us gifts given us gifts that go beyond human abilities that allow us as a church to fulfill our mission, which is to advance the kingdom of God, to multiply disciple makers, to see the gospel spread all around the world, to raise up mighty disciples of the Lord, that we can fulfill our mission in a supernatural realm. So I wrote in your notes, natural abilities lead to natural results. But gifts of the Spirit lead to supernatural results. And that's what we want. We want supernatural results. As I was thinking about this, I don't know why, but I was thinking about typing. Right? Typing on a computer. That in our human ability, most anybody, if you were to take a typing class, and if you were to practice typing and actually do it the way they teach in typing class, I think it's pretty reasonable that any of us could type 50 words a minute. There's nothing amazing about that. There's nothing mind-blowing about that. It's just that if we put the work in, we could type 50 words a minute. But if typing was a gift of the Holy Spirit, then I'm thinking maybe we could type 150 words a minute, maybe 200 words a minute, right? Because it ceases to be a natural ability and becomes something supernatural. That's the key to the gifts of the Holy Spirit is that he wants to take what we do in the natural and he wants to add a supernatural element to it so that we see results greater than we could ever see on our own. Right? I want a church full of people that are typing 200 words a minute. Come on. But maybe if we were praying for the sick, maybe just by the odds of luck, that if we prayed for 10 people, one of them would get healed. There's nothing supernatural about that. That's just the odds of praying for people that maybe one out of 10 of them would get better. But what if we had the gift of the Holy Spirit for healing and we prayed for 10 people and eight or nine of them were healed? That would be something supernatural. right? That would be something that would begin to be mind-blowing and would get people's attention. So we want to take our natural abilities. We want the gift of the Holy Spirit to come on top of those. And we want to see something supernatural happen. 
Our main text in the Bible that teaches us on gifts of the Spirit is 1 Corinthians 12. And so if you've got your Bibles, you can go there, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Just like last week, my encouragement to you is to read the whole chapter. Because the whole chapter is awesome. But, but here in this sermon, I don't have time to read the whole chapter. I'm just going to read some, some excerpts from it. And then also we're going to look at Romans chapter 12. So 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12. 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 1, Paul writes this. Now concerning spiritual gifts, there it is, charismata pneumatica. Concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware Other translations say, I do not want you to be uninformed. I do not want you to be ignorant. I do not want you to misunderstand. I do not want you to be confused. Listen, Paul regarded this topic of gifts of the Spirit as being so important. He wanted to make sure that the church was educated. He wanted to make sure that the church wasn't ignorant on this topic, but that they understood it. They understood what was available to them, but they also understood how to use it and not to misuse it and not to abuse it and not to have wrong attitudes towards it. And so that's what Paul is going to teach to us today, and that's what I want to teach to you. Verse 4, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the spirits for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. Remember we talked about that last week, that speaking in tongues, a gift of the Spirit to bring a message to the church that needs to be interpreted. Verse 11, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as He wills. There's a variety of gifts There's a variety of ministries, and there's a variety of effects. There's a variety of outcomes. There is a a diversity. There is a creativity to the gifts and how they are distributed. But regardless, it's the same Spirit. It's the same Lord. It's the same God that we're all serving together. Let's jump to Romans 12, starting in verse 3. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith. If service, in his serving. Or he who teaches, in his teaching. Or he who exhorts, in his exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Again, we see this picture here of natural abilities, 
right? The ability to lead, the ability to teach, the ability to encourage. Natural abilities that are touched by the Holy Spirit and in that accordance of faith that he has given us that we now operate in these abilities in a supernatural realm. So the first question in your notes is this. What are the purposes of the gifts of the Spirit? Why does God give these gifts? Well, in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, I think we read part of the answer. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit's for the common good. For the common good. Other translations say to serve one another. To serve one another. I love how Peter writes it in 1 Peter 4, verses 10 and 11. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So there it is again. Employ the gift in serving one another. He then goes on in verse 11 to say, whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Again, speaking is a natural ability. But when the Holy Spirit touches your speaking, you are now speaking the utterances of God and something supernatural is happening. He goes on to say, whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. So again, serving is a natural ability. We can all serve. We can serve as an usher and help people park their cars. Right? We can serve in cleaning the church. We can serve by volunteering in a ministry or helping set up an event. That's a very natural ability. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and touches what you're doing, then you are serving not in your own strength but in the strength of God. And something supernatural is happening. And then Peter concludes his thought by saying this, so that in all things... God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So in your notes, what are the purposes of the gifts of the Spirit? Number one, it's for the common good. It's so that as a church we can serve one another. It's so that the church can be built up in a supernatural realm. It's so that the church can reach an effectiveness that goes beyond our natural abilities. It's so that as a church we are growing supernaturally. It's so that as a church we have created an environment and a community where the Spirit of God can move and so that more people can be drawn into what God is doing. And so as we are serving the common good of the church, as we are serving the common good of our island, as we are serving the common good of our communities, the kingdom of God is advancing because we're doing it in a supernatural realm. It's for the common good. And number two, what's the purpose? It's to glorify God. It's to point people to Jesus. Listen, when we are operating in a supernatural realm, it's going to get people's attention. And remember, everything the Holy Spirit does points people to Jesus. Everything the Holy Spirit does points people to Jesus. And so if we are operating in the gifts of the Spirit, we are pointing people to Jesus. So if you have a word of knowledge, which is one of the gifts of the Spirit that Paul listed, what is a word of knowledge? A word of knowledge is when you're able to speak into somebody's life situation with knowledge that you should not have. 
There is no reason you should know what's going on in that person's life except that the Holy Spirit has given you a word of knowledge. And so if you were talking with somebody and you didn't know much about their past, but suddenly the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you say to that person, hey, listen, God just told me that you suffered traumatic abuse when you were a young person and you've been trying to heal from that all of your life, but because of it now, you're afraid to trust God. God just wants you to know that you can trust Him and and that He's here for you. If you were to speak that into somebody's life with the supernatural touch upon you, you're going to get their attention. And God is going to be glorified, and you're going to point them to Jesus. When we operate in the gifts of the Spirit's, We're catching people's attention. Think about the burning bush with Moses, right? God needed to get Moses' attention. So God did something. He lit a bush on fire, and the bush wasn't consumed by the fire. And Moses caught notice of it and said, I'm going to get a little closer here and see what God is doing. So when we are using the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it's like God is lighting us on fire. And people are going to come a little closer to see what God is doing. People are going to come a little closer. People have called the gifts of the Spirit the dinner bell to salvation. The dinner bell to salvation. Because when you're operating in the gifts of the Spirit, it's like you're ringing the dinner bell. And hungry people are coming running for dinner. And when they come running, what are they going to find? They're going to find Jesus. They're going to find salvation. So the gifts of the Spirit are for the common good, and they are to glorify God. And what I want to accomplish today, we're going to spend another week on this. We're going to keep talking about this next Sunday also. But what I want to accomplish specifically today is for us to have a proper understanding of the gifts of the Spirit and how God is trying to use those within the church and within our lives. And so in your notes, you can see I want to teach you four truths about the gifts of the Spirit, four truths that should guide our attitudes and guide our openness and guide how we function when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit. The first one in your notes is this. Every follower of Christ has them. Every follower of Christ has them. As you're filling it into your notes, just say it out loud. Every follower of Christ has them. That means if you're a follower of Christ, you're qualified as part of the every, every follower of Christ has them. First Corinthians 12, seven, but to each one, but to each one is given. Each one includes everybody. It includes everybody. Romans 12, 6, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace that is given to us, we need to understand that every single one of us has gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I've heard people say before, I don't have any gifts of the Spirit. And I am going to publicly rebuke that right now. We are not allowed to say that because if you're a follower of Christ, you have them. Now, it's okay to say, I don't know what my gifts of the Spirit are. You can say that. You can say, I haven't discovered my gifts yet. You can say that. 
But we are not allowed to say, I don't have any gifts of the Spirit because every one of us has them. It's a part of the promise of the Father. And by just passing it off by saying, I don't have any, is really just a cheap cop-out to say that I don't have to engage in the supernatural work of the kingdom of God. But yes, you do, because you are called to it. As a member of the body of Christ, you are called to it. So we all have to embrace the reality. Every follower of Christ has them. You have them. You might still need to discover them, but that doesn't mean that you don't have them. They might be locked up inside of you, and we need to unlock them and release them, but that doesn't mean you don't have them. They're there. And we might need to go on a journey of discovering those gifts, and that's actually going to be what next week is about. So there's your teaser trailer to come back next Sunday, is to talk about going on a journey to discover what those gifts are. The second truth I want to talk to you about is this. God is building a diverse team. God is building a diverse team. And this is actually why I have called this sermon roster building. Roster building. It looks like the football season is going to happen. Can I get a hallelujah? Woo, come on. All the husbands are like, yeah. And all the ladies are like, ah. (laughs) It looks like football season is going to happen which I am excited about. And if football season is happening, that also means that fantasy football is happening. And so those fantasy football nerds like me that are out there, we think about things like roster building. How am I going to build my roster? Am I going to start out with two running backs in the first two rounds? Or am I going to go running back receiver? Or am I just going to skip out on running backs and go receiver, receiver? Or am I just going to go out there and get Patrick Mahomes because I know he's going to score buku points every week, right? We think about roster building. When general managers are putting together their football team, specifically in the NFL, there's the discussion about the cornerstones of your franchise, right? Who do you build your franchise around? And in the NFL, it always starts with quarterback. It always starts with quarterback. And then if you were to identify maybe the next two most important cornerstones, you need a left tackle to protect that quarterback, and you need a pass rusher to go get the other guy's quarterback. That's it. Those are the cornerstones, right? You want a quarterback, you want a left tackle, and and you want a a pass rusher, and that's how you're going to start your franchise and build your franchise around. But listen, that's not the end of your roster building. That's just the beginning. Because if all you do is go out and collect quarterbacks, chances are you're going to find a really good one, but you're not going to have anybody to block for him because all you did was build a roster full of quarterbacks. Right? If you just build a roster full of linemen, hey, that's great. You're going to have a wall of humanity, but you're not going to be fast enough to get away from anybody. Right? You've got to build a diverse team. You start with those cornerstones, but then you begin to add to it. I need the big guys in the trenches, but I need a receiver that's blazing fast that can run down the field. And I also need a crafty receiver who I can put in the slot, and he can make that little juke move that gets himself open over the middle of the field. 
And I, I need a tight end that can get down the middle of the field to occupy the safety. And, and I need linebackers that can run from sideline to sideline chasing down those running backs. And, and I need corners who can hold up in coverage, right? I need a diversity of skill sets. And on top of that, I need someone who can kick. And I need someone who can snap the football seven yards back to the holder so that we can kick field goals. We need to build a diverse roster. And you see, that's what God is doing with spiritual gifts is he is building a diverse team. If you read through more of 1 Corinthians 12, Paul begins to expand on his metaphor of the body and how the body needs a variety of organs and the body needs a variety of parts in order to truly function as the body. And so the eye doesn't say, well, I can't hear, so I'm no good. And the ear doesn't say, well, I can't see, so I'm no good. No, if you have eyes and you have ears, then you have a body that is more effective than if you only had one. If your hearing is taken away, you're at a much greater challenge in life. If your vision is taken away, you're at a much greater challenge in life. But when you have both... You are much more effective. And so God wants a complete body. He doesn't want his church to just be a pile of eyeballs. That's a creepy thought. He doesn't want his church just to be a pile of eyeballs. We're all a bunch of people and we all do the same thing and we only do one thing. Well, how is that going to advance the kingdom of God? He doesn't want a body that's just a pile of hands. Hands are great, but if there's no arms to connect them to, hands don't do any good. God's not just looking for a pile of hands. He's trying to build a diverse team. He needs eyes, and he needs ears, and he needs mouths, and he needs hands, and he needs arms, and he needs lungs, and he needs hearts, and he needs stomachs, and he needs all of this. He needs legs and feet. God wants a complete body, and so in his roster building, God is building a diverse team, and one of the ways that he builds that diverse team is that he gives each one of us different gifts. So that we all have a variety of gifts and so that the church has a variety of ministries and therefore we have a variety of outcomes. He's giving us a diverse team to work with. And listen, Paul goes on in, 12, in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians to say that some of the body parts are more presentable, some are more honorable, some are more out front and in the open, and others are more hidden. Others are more behind the scenes, but they're all just as important. They're all just as important. Listen, not everybody in the church is meant to stand on a stage. That doesn't make me more important than you. I have a gift of shepherding. I have a gift of preaching. I have a, a gift of leading, and those gifts put me out front, but that doesn't make me any more special than you. I am no different than you. And if your gift is more behind the scenes, if your gift is a little quieter, it's just as important. And if you don't use your gifts, it hurts the church just as much as if I don't use mine. God is building a diverse team. The third thought is this. It's not a competition. 
It's not a competition. Don't compare and you won't despair. Don't compare your gifts to anybody else. Don't compare your gifts to somebody who does it better than you. Don't compare your gifts to somebody who has the gifts you wish you had. This is not a competition. We are a team. We are working together. And comparing ourselves is only going to lead to despairing. So don't compare. Listen, I have a preaching gift. But the Bible says that my gift was given to me according to the measure that the Holy Spirit wanted to give it to me. And there are people on this planet that have a much more powerful preaching gift than I do. And I don't look at those people and despair over myself. I don't look at those people and wish what might have been for my life. No, I embrace the gift that God has given me. I embrace the proportion by which he's given it to me. I embrace the measure that he has poured it out upon me. And I'm going to use that gift to the fullest because it's not a competition. The gift you have is not meant to be compared to anybody else. In fact, the only thing you should compare it to is the fullness that, the, that God wants that gift in your life. And if you have a sense that you're not using the gift in your life to the fullest, then follow that conviction. But if you're just comparing your gift to somebody else's, stop it. There's nothing healthy in that. It's not a competition. And here's the thing. You don't get to choose the gift anyway. It says the Holy Spirit distributes them as He wills. It's according to His will. It's according to what God wants. And so rather than spending time saying, well, I don't like my gift. And I wanted the gift that that person has. And their gift looks so much more fun than my gift. Let's stop wasting that emotional energy and realize we didn't get to choose, so there's no reason to compare, and we didn't get to choose, so let's trust in the perfect will of God, and let's embrace the gift that He's given us in the accordance that He's given it to us. Let's go to the end of 1 Corinthians 12. If we pick it up in verse 27, it says, Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. Paul is listing all of these gifts that the Holy Spirit has given to the church. But he says all are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have gifts of healing, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? And then he concludes with this thought in verse 31. But earnestly desire the greater gifts. Other translations say, but earnestly desire the best gifts. And so this is kind of interesting especially if you have a really competitive nature like me. And you're like, well, wait a minute. What are the best gifts? Paul just told us to earnestly desire the best gifts. And I remember when I was in master's commission, when I was in our ministry training school, and, and our pastor at that time, Pastor Lloyd Ziegler, we're, we're entering into a worship service, and he actually said these words, don't let anybody out-worship you. 
whoo, and immediately my competitive juices kicked in. I'm like, all right, he just made a contest out of this. I'm not going to let anybody out-worship me. So what does it mean that I'm supposed to desire the best gifts or the greater gifts? Well, one way to look at it is what were the gifts that Paul said he wanted everybody to have? Well, he said that he wanted everybody to prophesy and he wanted everyone to pray in the spirit, to pray in other tongues. So that'd be one way to look at it is, okay, we should all earnestly desire to prophesy and to pray in the spirit. But there's another way to look at it also. What if the best gifts are the gifts that God has specifically chosen for you? What if the best gifts are the ones that are a perfect fit for your life, a perfect fit for just how he designed you, a perfect fit for your temperament, the perfect choice that God has made for you? And what if earnestly desiring the best gifts mean that I earnestly desire the gifts that God has chosen for me, and therefore I'm not going to make it a competition, and I'm not going to worry about anybody else's gifts. I'm going to activate my gifts. Come on. Let me have the worship team come back up today. I don't know if I've gone long or not. I lost track of time. The podcast will hold me accountable later. The final thing I want to share with you is this. The spiritual gifts, they force us to rely on relationships. They force us to rely on relationships. You see, the very idea that the gifts that we have are manifestations of the Holy Spirit in our lives, the very idea of that invokes a relationship with God. It means that the gifts flow out of our relationship with the Holy Spirit. The gifts flow through our intimacy with God. And that's why if we ever desire the gifts apart from the relationship, we've gotten off track. The gifts require us to rely on our relationship with God. Now, if you just want natural results, by all means, do it without God. But if you want supernatural results, if you want the kingdom of God advanced, then it's going to force us to rely on a relationship with God and to allow those gifts to flow out of the intimacy that we develop in the secret place with the Holy Spirit. But the gifts also force us to rely on relationships with each other. Listen, if he wanted us to be spiritual heroes, if he wanted us to be Christian lone rangers, if if he wanted us to be superheroes, he would have given us all the gifts. Then we wouldn't have to rely on anybody. We could do everything ourselves. We could activate every gift. We would just be a one-man wrecking crew, and we would just go out, and it would just be about me. But no, God gave you some gifts. And then he gives somebody else in the church some gifts. And he gives somebody else in the church some gifts. And he gives somebody else in the church some gifts. So none of us have all of the gifts. But together, we have all of the gifts. It forces us to rely on each other and being in relationship with one another. Thank you for that, Jesus. We have to rely on each other. We have to be a part of a body. There's not a single one of us here that can accomplish God's will alone. Not a single one of us. But together, we can do everything that God has purposed for our church, everything that God has purposed for Kauai, everything God has purposed for the world. We can do it.
if we rely on our relationships with each other. Here's how I want to finish today, and then I just want to pray for you. And we're going to worship a little bit more. We're going to continue to see the supernatural activated in our lives. But really where my heart was at as I was preparing this message was just the idea of finding the balance in who God has called us to be as a church. You know, one of the struggles for churches is that we can just major on one area at the expense of every other area. We can just focus on one thing, which a lot of times might get us too far to one end of a spectrum or another, right? And so we might have a church that says, well, we just specialize in in teaching the Bible. So we just teach the Bible, and that's all we do is we just teach the Bible. We just teach the Bible, and that's all we do. You might have another church that just says, well, We're just a Holy Spirit church. We just love to get together and soak in the Holy Spirit, and we get the chicken skin, and we speak in tongues, and we just have a grand time, but nobody else comes because nobody else gets what we're doing, right? We might have a church that says, well, we just focus on being seeker sensitive, and so we just make everything super easy for people who've never come to church before. And that's great. You get lots of people to come in, but you don't invoke the power of God to actually change their life. And so you have a large gathering of people who are never transformed. You guys see what I'm talking about? We focus too much on one thing. We swing too far to one end of the spectrum or the other. Then we don't do what the church was intended to do. Come on, our mission is to make disciples of the whole world. Our mission is to make disciples of every ethnos, every ethnicity. Our mission is to carry the authority of the kingdom of God throughout the earth. Our mission is to proclaim the gospel to the ends of the earth. Our mission is to raise up disciples and to raise up disciple makers and to multiply the church. That is our mission. And the best way to accomplish that is to find the balance. Listen, we are a Book of Acts church. We have always been a Book of Acts church. We will always be a Book of Acts church. That means we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the manifest presence of God. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit. We believe in the supernatural and the miracles. But it also means that we believe in praying. It means that we believe in boldly declaring the gospel. It means we believe in planting churches. It means we believe in raising up disciples and teaching people to obey King Jesus. And my heart and my passion in our understanding of the Holy Spirit and specifically the gifts of the Holy Spirit is that we would find the balance as a church where, yes, we teach the Bible. And, yes, we love to celebrate in the power of the Holy Spirit. But we don't do one at the exclusion of the other. We do both. And we do it all. And we operate in the supernatural realm of the gifts of the Spirit. And we teach the Bible. And we disciple. And we pray for people. And we preach the gospel boldly. And we do all of it. Why? Because God has built us as a diverse team. But the only way that we are going to see the church fulfill its mission in a supernatural realm is if all of us as a church embrace the reality that we've all been given gifts of the Spirit. 
And it's time to activate those gifts and not to compete with one another or compare ourselves to one another, but combine all of our gifts together so that as a church, we can fully function in the supernatural and do everything that the church did in the book of Acts, engaging the present culture today. All right, it's really quiet. Maybe that was too much for us. All right. <laughs> Ephesians 4.16, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. I want to pray today to begin to activate the gifts of the Holy Spirit in your life. Why? So that every part... Every member can be doing their part so that the whole body will be healthy and growing and full of love and moving forward in the supernatural. Come on, if you're ready to activate the gifts of the Spirit in your life, I just want you to lift your hands up right now. Lift your hands up just as a sign to say, God, I'm open to it. I'm open to it. Maybe I don't fully understand it yet. I don't know what gifts you're going to give me. I don't know what's going to flow through my life. But I want the gifts of the Spirit. I want the supernatural realm. I want what you have to offer. Thank you, Jesus. Right now, Holy Spirit, just begin to blow. Begin to blow right now. Oh, Father, if there be any here that have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, oh, God, let now be a good time. Let now be a good time. Holy Spirit, come in power right now in Jesus' name and bring the baptism of the Spirit. Fill people with power. If there be anybody here today that has not surrendered their life to Christ, let this be the moments oh, that they are transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of Christ as they make the decision to make Jesus the king of their lives. But I pray for all of us as a church, God. I pray for the unleashing of the gifts of the Spirit. I pray for the unleashing of the supernatural realm. Oh, Holy Spirit, would you look upon our lives? Oh, would you see the natural abilities you've already given us? And would you breathe upon them a supernatural ability? Oh, Holy Spirit, oh, would you give to us in accordance to our faith? Would you give to us the measure that you intended? Oh, that, Father, we could do everything we do in the supernatural realm. Oh, God, we dream of a diverse church. We dream of a church that has a variety of gifts, a variety of ministries, a variety of outcomes, but we all worship one Lord. We're all filled with the same spirits. A church operating in that level of unity and that level of giftedness is unstoppable in this world. So activate the gifts. Call us out of hiding. Call us out of quietness. Bring our gifts out, Lord, and begin to use them to point people to Jesus. Begin to use them to build up the body. Begin to use them, Lord, to touch and change people's lives. Begin to use them to bring your kingdom to earth and your will be done in people's lives. Thank you for that, Jesus. Thank you for that, Jesus. Come on, just stay open today to receive. Stay open to receive the baptism of the Spirit. Stay open to receive the activation of the gifts of the Spirit in your life. Stay open to receive all that he has. We want to be carriers of the supernatural gifts that are given to us only by God's grace. So we do not think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. But in humility, 
we activate the supernatural in our lives, knowing that it's all God flowing through us and that none of it is pointing people to us. It's all pointing people to Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's worship right now. Let's worship right now as the Holy Spirit moves in our lives.